0: And you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for wednesday september 1st 2021 on today's episode of the show we're going to have a spoiler filled discussion about the fourth episode of marvel's what if my name is ben Pearson. i'm a senior writer at slashfilm.com and i am joined on today's episode by slash film senior writer and weekend editor brad Oman. hey that's me brad how's it going great all right. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, let's get right into our discussion of this episode. I don't think we have anything from the feedback section. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are, are uh, want to contribute to uh, to this podcast in, in that way, you can send us feedback, questions, comments, and concerns at peter at slashfilm.com for future episodes. So let's just get right into uh, our... Oh, our... Real oh, quick, uh, before, yes.
1: before we get into it, uh, one thing that we didn't specifically talk about that I uh, I read about this week um, and mentioned in superhero bits uh, is there's a little bit of uh, an Easter egg uh, potential reference to um, maybe another story that's coming or, or something related to this. But uh, in the previous episode, episode three, the murder mystery episode where a bunch of the Avengers are killed by Hank Pym, um, there is a, a mention uh, that Hope uh, Van Dyne, uh, Hank's daughter, died while on a mission in Odessa, Ukraine. And Hmm. Odessa, Ukraine is the same place where Black Widow mentioned having an encounter with the Winter Soldier, and she killed the person that she was trying uh, to protect. And that's how she ended up getting uh, a bullet in her side during her encounter with the Winter Soldier. Uh, Black Widow said that in the movie Black Widow? No, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, so uh, it sounds like maybe hope uh, may have died at the hands of the winter soldier uh, in that universe, um, assuming the winter soldier exists. Um, So yeah, that could be something interesting to see play out if that story thread gets picked up or something like
0: that. Okay. I'm glad that, uh, that you read about that because I, yeah, I think, you know, both of us were sort of struggling to come up with any sort of relevant uh, Easter eggs or sort of shout outs to other corners of the MCU and, and, that weren't like super obvious in the last episode. So that's good. Um, All right, let's get into our brief reactions. Brad, what did you think about this uh, episode, which is called, What If Stephen Strange Lost His Heart?
1: Uh, I think that this is easily the best episode of the entire series so far. Um, I appreciate how self-contained it is. I appreciate how much it veers away from the premise of Doctor Strange itself. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we had the first episode with Captain Carter, but it felt like, a very familiar retread of the first Avenger just with Peggy Carter in, in those shoes with, you know, some changes that were, that were interesting, but not necessarily, um, you know, earth shattering, but this one really takes strange uh, in a compelling direction and does something completely different with them. It's, you know, uh, this kind of Groundhog Day premise, but, you know, um, even more tragic, you know, obviously Groundhog Day does have a, a dark side to it, but uh, this one, you know, gets, uh, you know, to the point where it's turning uh, strange into a villainous version of himself, and he's so desperate uh, to make sure that Christine doesn't die that he takes things too far and spends so much time uh, trying to undo what seemingly can't be undone. And I love that this, uh, you know, this episode doesn't have. A traditional kind of ending stinger it you know the the episode ends and that is you know essentially it there's no Mm -hmm. tease as to what comes after it's just this contained tragic story that uh it was has some really fantastic animation in it um and i think that the the voice acting uh initially was a little bit shaky um but then as it goes on it feels like uh it, it gets a lot better especially as uh, you know, strange gets, gets darker and gets more desperate.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. I also like this episode. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I maybe liked the the third episode a little bit more than this, just because uh, it sort of had that murder mystery element, which I'm a sucker for. And then it also uh, expanded the scope in, a, in ways that I found uh, interesting and sort of took you to a bunch of different points in the MCU. And this episode, like you mentioned, is so self-contained. Um, that uh, it, it feels like way smaller. And, and the thing, I, I think what I'm really getting at here, Brad, what, what's really sort of holding me back from truly loving this episode is that I'm just not a huge, huge fan of the Doctor Strange character in general. And I know that Jacob would, <laughs> would like boot me off this podcast if he was on here because I think Doctor Strange is his favorite Marvel character. Um, but, uh, but he's the only one that it makes sense this type of story like there's a moment where i think the the watcher says that in the closing um seconds of this episode really he says something like uh one life one choice one moment can destroy the whole universe or something like that and you know part of me is like okay i appreciate what you're saying there but really when you think about it that that kind of only applies to characters like dr strange who have immense power and the ability to tap into you know these um like different dimensions of the MCU. Like, I, I don't know if, um, if something like if somebody like, uh, I don't know, pick another character, uh, Hawkeye or something like that would, if one choice or one moment from Hawkeye could destroy the entire universe in the same way. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just some um, some thoughts rattling around my head. I literally yeah, I w- just watched this episode like ten minutes ago. So yeah, but. I would
1: I would definitely argue that I agree, not in the same way, but I think like the whole premise of what if is that like it could be something super simple that does you know change the entire fabric of a certain universe. You know, in this in the way that in that Captain Carter episode, it was her simple decision of staying in the lab instead of going to an observation room that completely changed the trajectory of that story.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just the, um, the idea of like the entire universe imploding on itself or being wiped off the map or something like. Or, butterfly or, or.
1: effect, man, butterfly effect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, Stephen Strange, you know, his ties to uh, those dimensions and, and his yeah. abilities sort of give the whole thing higher stakes i think than than a lot of other characters but yeah um yeah i agree that the voice acting was really good it was it was really nice to hear rachel mcadams again even though her character again in this even in this episode didn't really have like all that much to contribute beyond just like being a um you know a a, she almost like gets fridged in in this episode you know if if you're familiar with that term just like she dies over and over again in order to sort of uh, service the the main uh, male heroes story. Um, and I was kind of hoping that, I mean, I guess they've done this already with with Peggy Carter, but I was kind of hoping that she would have more of a sort of a central role in this, like um, more of an active role, I guess, instead of just like her showing up to die over and over again, um, which, you know, leads to some really great results for and, and emotional results for the Stephen Strange character, but um, doesn't really do uh, Christine Palmer too many favors overall in the story. But... Um, but yeah, the, the, the tragedy, like you mentioned of, of this whole thing, uh, I really felt that in, in this episode. And I think Cumberbatch did a great job, um, really like leaning into the, uh, the despair of all of it. Um, so let's get into a few like specific points here that, that I thought were interesting. One of which, um, is that I think it's, uh, the ancient one uses, uses the term absolute point, which is an unmovable, unchangeable point in history. And I feel like. Is she talking about uh, a nexus event there, Brad? That's a term that we've heard, you know, elsewhere in the the MCU. Are these two things the same? What do you, what do you think about that? I don't
1: think so because a nexus event is is when the the timeline breaks away from itself, and so and we ha- and you start to have branches when things uh, change that need to be uh, quote unquote fixed, you know, by the the time variance authority. Um, this, I think, is so, uh, almost like the opposite of a nexus event in that. Uh, it's something that can't that is going to happen no matter what you do in this in this universe on this timeline however you want to describe it you cannot stop this event from happening it will always happen no matter what you do mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah that's 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 an interesting thing to introduce and because it it implies that there's probably you know many of these points in uh, history in the in the lives of the Marvel characters uh, that cannot be changed even by somebody who has the ability to manipulate time, you know, like Dr. Strange. There are simply some, some things that are just simply must be.
0: Yeah. It's interesting though, because it it really only uh, is limited to that one universe because like, as you know, of course we know that strange can still become a hero and defeat Dormammu without Christine dying because she doesn't die in the live action Dr. Strange movie. Um, So it's not this absolute point of her death is not really an unmovable, unchangeable thing across all dimensions. It really only is within that dimension. Am I am I reading that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I
1: would, I would agree with that.
0: Okay. Um, so uh, there's this tentacled creature where where strange. You know, we're, we're going to bounce around all over the plot of this episode, but uh, strange goes to this library of Cagliostro and and. Um, tries to, he, he realizes that he has to absorb the energy of other beings if he wants to become powerful enough to turn back time and try to save Christine. And the first creature that he tries to, uh, in, that he encounters basically is this tentacled thing that comes up out of the ground. And my first thought was like, oh, is that the same uh, tentacled creature in the first episode that we saw in that uh, in that Nazi castle or whatever that, that Captain Carter and, and her... Team were sort of facing off against. Uh, did you have that same thought, Brad? Do you think that's the same creature? I did. Uh, I, I it
1: is the same creature. Um, however, uh, there was some speculation that the creature might be Shumagorath, which is a creature that Doctor Strange has a history with in Marvel Comics. I wasn't necessarily sold that this was sh- specifically Shumagorath because that creature uh, in the comics has, does have tentacles um, and has a similar appearance. However. Uh Shuma-Gorath has a giant eye at the center of his body where the tentacles meet. And this creature, as we saw in the first episode of, of Captain Carter, has just a giant mouth with gnarly teeth inside of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one we don't really ever see in full, but it has the same kind of tentacles. And uh, in an interview that will be running uh, tomorrow after the episode... Uh, or, or sorry, t- tomorrow after um, people have had a chance to see the episode since it's out now, um, I talked to Ryan Maynarding, who's the head of visual development at Marvel Studios and does concept art for the movies and for the show. Um, and he said that this wasn't ever specifically meant to be Shumagorath, So it just happens to be some kind of you know uh, creature that has has tentacles and sh- shares of a vague you know, resemblance to it. So uh, not any direct tie to the Marvel Comics creature at this point, but it does seem like it's the... Uh, the same one, which is interesting, because um, there is, uh, as contained as this episode is, there is a shot in one of the what if trailers. I think it was the second trailer um, that show. It's a very quick shot that has this gaunt version of Doctor Strange interacting with Captain Carter. So hmm. at some point, I see it seems like maybe there will be some kind of universe crossing branches coming into one another that brings some of these characters together, like we've been talking about.
0: That's interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about that because I kind of liked the finality of what happens with the ending of this episode where they just sort of like the interview, the, the universe like closes in on itself and it sort of ends up in this, um this little like purple uh, gemstone looking thing. I was kind of expecting it to pull back and like that to be, a grain of sand or like, you know, on a beach or some sort of like crazy men yeah. in black esque kind of thing. But I guess the fact that the character is, uh, is trapped inside uh, an object, even though we don't really know what that object is, leaves the door open to, to bring him into other universes. What did you, or I guess, what do you make of that idea? Did you, and and what did you, did you have any theories about that purple? Gem looking thing at the very end.
1: I mean, the first thing I thought is that, you know, so, some kind of ties to the Infinity Stone, but it, there's so many, you know, mystical artifacts and things like that in Doctor Strange that I, I feel like there's probably some kind of explanation as to why Strange might be able to cross over into another universe despite his own universe collapsing on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure specifically, like, what, what that, you know, purple kind of an, an, encasement enclosure was meant to symbolize. It was just something that Strange created as a spell that try and protect them as the universe, you know, crumbled around them or, Mm -hmm. or what. Um, But, but yeah, I I feel like there'll be something about that or something with the abilities that Dr. Strange was able to collect over the, you know, hundreds of years that he was, um, you know, absorbing the power of various creatures that uh, we'll find out why, you know, he was, he, he might be able to cross over into the other universe if that is what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's a a moment where uh, there's like, Strange essentially fights himself. That seems to be the big um, climax that this episode is building to. Uh, and it reminded me a little bit of the the wizard, the quote unquote wizard fight with Thanos in um, Avengers Infinity War, where they're each like doing, you know, spell stuff at each other. Um, what did you think about the, uh, the strange versus strange of it all here? This
1: was one of the cool things that like I like to see in uh, these kinds of stories, like what if stories, stuff that you normally wouldn't be able to, Uh, see in the movies um and like it's it's cool because like uh for example the Captain America versus Captain America fight that's something that I never would have thought we would be able to see in the movies but they were able to pull it off with time travel in Avengers Endgame Uh, and something like this you know it's it's even more interesting because of what Doctor Strange uh can do and seeing you know this entirely different version uh of himself you know, square off with the, this evil version. And so um, though I will say the one thing that was kind of, I don't know, a little bit frustrating was, I guess like how much exposition there was to explain like how this happened, you know, mm-hmm. um, like the, it, the stuff with the ancient one kind of felt uh, shoehorned in a little bit and a little bit hastily explained. And like, especially when it comes to how, like, obviously we saw her interact with strange after she had died in the Dr. Strange movie, but here it almost feels like a little bit more of a cheat because she's revealing something to him that wasn't already like known to him, you know? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so it feels, it feels a little bit like they're, they're gaming the system there. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: had that same thought. And, and like the idea of, you know, there's two timelines in the same universe and just like her rolling in and sort of explaining everything. I I feel like, um, yeah, it's sort of, I mean, I I understand that you have, you only have 30 minutes to do an, an episode like this. And it just, it felt like a, you know, one of those instances where you could sort of feel the constraints of the storytelling, you know, bursting in at the seams a little bit. The
1: but. concept itself is cool though. And I do wonder if it's something that they're introducing as a way of like uh, giving us a concept that might become prominent in the the movies at some point.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's this really interesting moment where uh, strange can hear the watcher and it sort of remind me a little bit of um, like Fleabag where uh, <laughs> Andrew Scott's character in the second season can sort of like interact with, uh, maybe not interact with the audience, but like he he sees what Phoebe Waller Bridge's character does when she sort of like breaks the fourth wall, and he's like, "What what are you doing? Who are you looking at?" <laughs> like that kind of thing, where it's like, "Oh, the, the watcher is supposed to be this all seeing thing that like nobody notices, but of course Doctor Strange with his you know uh, mystical abilities can can hear what he's going or you know what he's saying and, and sort of." Understand that he's there, and at the very end, of course, he like pleads with him, and they have this big back and forth. So, what did you think about the Watcher actually being sucked into the real narrative here instead of just being, you know, perched on his uh, sort of narration ledge?
1: Yeah, this was an interesting uh, element to to introduce. It was something that um, was kind of like uh, hinted at when I talked to director Brian Andrews and head writer uh, A C Bradley, because uh, they seemed to hint at the Watcher even though he has these rules of not being able to, to interfere, he can only watch uh, what's happening um, that there might, he might be tested or that might change as the series goes on. And clearly in this episode, there's a moment where it feels like, you know, he's in this scene. He's essentially kind of talking himself out of it. He's like, he's like, I could do something. He's like, I mm-hmm. could, I could stop this. It's like, but, but I can't, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting concept. And I, and I was, uh, very intrigued by the fact that, like, he willingly, you know, interacted with Strange and, you know, was able, actively made the decision not to do anything about it. Um, Because, it's,
0: it's- like, even the idea of him interacting with him at all, even, like, having the conversation and sort of, like, revealing himself in that way, I would argue is a form of intervention or, or interaction, you know, yeah. like, th- there's a uh, there's an inherent contradiction there.
1: Yeah, I agree for for sure, and I think that it's, at some point, like I I feel like when you introduce something like this, like it has to come to blows where he, you know, the watcher will make the decision to interfere, whether it's to stop something bad from happening or. Uh, what have you. But yeah, I think that's something that has to happen now that this has been introduced.
0: Yeah. So I think that that's like a good segue into the speculation uh, sort of portion here. So I think we've, we've sort of hit on, on several um, little, you know, pieces of speculation about future stuff. I think that is, that is absolutely something that they're laying the groundwork for here for future episodes of the show. Do you think that we're going to see that tentacled creature again? I feel like, you know, with two appearances in the first four episodes, it's almost a certainty, right? Like it has to come back. We have to see that thing in its full form, right? Like at this point, it's like a Chekhov's gun, isn't
1: it? Yeah, you would think so. It's as, um, the way it's popping up, it feels like it has to be dealt with in in some capacity. Um, it it seems like it's more than an Easter egg at this point. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, yeah, I'm not really, um, I, I think like I talked about, you know, I'm, I'm most intrigued as to how this will, you know, end up tying into whatever the series uh, becomes because it's um, it seems odd, you know, to have an episode like this that is so self-contained. You know, when the there is footage out there from the marketing campaign that shows us, you know, two characters coming together um, who haven't who don't have any narrative link uh, yet in the series. So it's something that we know is coming. It's just a matter of of how, and it makes me wonder um, how much of this series, like. As, as fun and cool as it is to see these uh, alternate versions of Marvel movies play out, I I wonder how much of the series is being used as kind of like a way to lay the groundwork for um, audiences to like see what can happen in the movies now that the multiverse has been unleashed. Because like... On one hand, it's a really good idea to do something like this because it sets the ground rules as to, like, this, you know, here's why we can have multiple versions of this character and here's what it means to have different universes and uh, why this happens. But then again, how many general audiences who go out to see the Marvel movies are actually sitting down to watch an animated series like mm-hmm. this that doesn't feel like it's necessary or actually connected to the Marvel movies? You know, like, th- yeah. does, does the average. You know, parent or you know, uncle or whatever out there, they're, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna sit down and watch this, and then I will absolutely understand the Marvel Multiverse."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering if that connection is even more, or ends up being even more direct uh, by the time that this series is over. Because this watching this episode it, for the first time, it gave me the the thought that like, because um, the watcher says something along the lines of like, if I were to interfere here, it would you know, mess with the space-time continuum. He doesn't say that, but like right. the fabric of reality or whatever. Um, so he sort of like lays out a little bit and makes clear what the stakes are if he were to interfere. And and like you and I are saying, I, I feel like it's inevitable that he will interfere at some point. So now I'm wondering if this show doesn't end with, um, or if if the show could end with that interference causing the, the destruction or, you know, some sort of massive, uh, negative event around the entire multiverse and like the show just ending and then picking up the the pieces of that in uh, either Spider-Man No Way Home or uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Like, the, you know, there are more multiverse related things coming soon. And I wonder if kind of like this episode, if this show has the balls to <laughs> to end on a down note in that way, where like, you know, we've spent we spend this entire season sort of with the watcher as our guide going through these different alternate universes, he ends up stepping in and then the consequences of that are disastrous. And then the show just ends and we pick up with the consequences of that in a live action form down the road where like you're saying, you know, uh, if you didn't watch the show, the, the disaster could be explained in another movie or whatever. Maybe it's part of what happens in Spider-Man no way home or something like that. But if you did watch the show, it all sort of you know weaves together uh, as one uh, you know unit as one unit kind of thing. What do you think about that? That would be very cool. I think my only
1: hesitation with that being something that actually comes to fruition is the you know the separation there is between the movies and TV shows, uh, or at least what if when it comes to it being animated. And so I guess it comes down to whether Marvel wants us to like conceive of. The what if stories being uh, something that actually you know happen in in other universes, which I think that they do, but then I guess are we do are we meant to accept the fact that we're only seeing these movies in an animated form because of I guess practical practical convenience, but they actually, you know, have just as much significance as a live action series if they were to tell it in that medium.
0: Yeah, I kind of think that's what they're going for. And maybe maybe over the course of this season, we'll get a a more concrete answer to that question. But like, I think I don't remember if we talked about this, or if I just read a rumor online somewhere that um, that Captain Carter might pop up in live action in some form. So if that's the case, then I think the answer is definitely yes that they want us to to look at this as you know just as as legitimate as uh, as any of the live action stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I've seen that too. I don't think it came from anywhere that was like a um a, oh, a real legitimate yeah, source. Like, yeah, it wasn't thing. like vetted or anything. It just seems like it's one of those things just being kicked around as a, a possibility. But yeah, I mean that's the, it's an interesting idea to think about whether especially when the multiverse eventually is upset by whether it's Spider-Man No Way Home or Multiverse of Madness of, you know, seeing some of these characters come into live action because we get a glimpse of other universes and just how crazy things are in these, you know, parallel universes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just thinking back to my sort of um, nonsense prediction about what might happen at the very end of this show, I, I was just now reminded of the end of Loki, which sort of did what I'm talking about, like had that sort of ballsy ending of like, you know, you, you think the show is going to end one way, but it actually ends with a a pretty significant shakeup of what's going on. And that main character finds himself in a a universe that nobody knows who he is and and that whole thing. So um, it's not like Marvel has never done that kind of thing before. I just wonder actually now thinking about it a little bit more if, if, because they did, they just did that kind of thing in Loki, if, if it would make sense for them to do You know, a very similar type of uh ending in what if. But um but yeah, I guess we'll have to
1: see. That actually makes me think too about um uh AC Bradley and uh Brian Andrews have talked about how Captain Carter is kind of the crux of what if and it's a character that they will revisit in uh future seasons of what Mm -hmm. if. And it makes me wonder if Captain Carter will kind of be this constant throughout the the anthology series where maybe she's able to move through different universes by using the Tesseract. Since Hmm. that's, since that's how she, you know, was able to get from uh, the, you know, the forties of world war two into the setting where we um, meet, you know, Nick Fury uh, in 2012 when the Avengers took place. So I wonder if there's maybe some kind of through line there where she will occasionally appear and like is, you know, jumps into different universes where we'll see other you know what if versions of characters
0: yeah 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 so that that is some great a speculation for you <laughs> folks <laughs> um do you have any other uh, sort of stray observations from this episode brad that we didn't talk about i know we sort of bounced all over the place but um
1: um any other? no not, not really i uh, i do i just want to go out of my way again to uh because there's no real way for us to like Talk about this in depth because it's mostly just visually based and it's much better to just to just watch it rather than discuss beat by beat. But the the montage of Strange uh, summoning all of these characters and absorbing their power has Mm -hmm. some some incredible animation, some great creature design. Um, And uh, from what I understood in my interview with Ryan Maynard, that they didn't really pull a lot of stuff from, uh, Marvel comics. Like these aren't like a bunch of creatures, you know, that we've seen before necessarily, but they, they kind of went through this, uh, run of like just different cool versions of Dr. Strange that they would like to see with a lot of, uh, prominent, unique features that, that he would constantly be morphing, uh, in and out of as he absorbed them. And so they just try to do this variety, uh, of various creatures with, um, yeah, you know, uh, unique characteristics in order to 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 do that and so just just the way that they change dr strange's look to adapt with each of these creatures and then how each of those creatures looks on their own it was it was really cool to see how they did that
0: yeah so two things i love that gnome that pops up yeah. <laughs> early. It was, it was just like a really funny visual touch because you know all the other stuff is like giant birds or dragons or things that look like super um menacing and that gnome being uh, early on in that process was very funny and then also what you're talking about like the way that um that uh, dr strange himself was um sort of took on the aspects of those characters as he absorbed them and and how you see at the very end that moment where uh the sort of facade drops and like christine is totally repulsed by like the real version of him where he's like all yeah. mutated and like gross and everything that was just you know that that is um that's part of the tragic arc of this episode where it's almost like a twilight zone episode i think peter mentioned that earlier where like the um uh on one of the early episodes of the show talking about how the watcher is sort of like a rod serling yeah you know uh figure or whatever and th- this is like almost twilight zone in plot where like um dr strange it, you know he spends however many centuries uh ruining his life, you know, being devoted to this single thing. And then he finally gets what he wants, but like the, the woman that he loves is now repulsed by him because of the, um, you know, the decisions that he's made and the, the actions the sacrifices that he's, he's taken to, to get there. Um, I just thought it was a really like well done piece of dramatic storytelling. So yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, props there. All right. Yeah. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Home Daily. You can find more about what if, and, and stay tuned certainly to the website, uh, for, um, Brad's piece tomorrow, so you can read more about that there. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps. And like I said, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow.